Welcome to On Your Radar, Teens in Crisis. This is a podcast series produced by WGN Radio and the doctors and clinical staff at Rosecrans. This podcast is titled Getting Past No. And joining us are Sandy Leibert, a certified intervention professional, and Mary Egan, CADC Rosecrans Director of Outreach. And I'm John Williams. You can hear me weekdays from 9 to noon on WGN Radio. With a long history of leadership in treatment for substance use and mental health disorders, Rosecrans has grown to more than 60 locations across Chicago, Northern Illinois, and Central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Rosecrans is a private, not-for-profit organization offering comprehensive nationally accredited evidence-based addiction and mental health treatment for children, teens, young adults, and adults. In this series, we'll focus on youth and their pandemic-related recovery. Knowing that young people face challenges in the best of times, the coronavirus world of 2020 and 2021 have made some of life's obstacles even more acute. So, Mary, you've been visiting with us before on a previous podcast. And, Sandy, this is your first time to say hello. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having us. Uh, Rosecrans Director of Outreach. So what do you do? Um, I uh, work with um, uh, staff who are in the schools, and um, I also do presentations and outreach to um, community and professionals to connect them with Rosecrans. And that sounds like one of the things that you do, huh, Sandy? Yes. That is, meet people where they are. You actually are a uh, certified intervention professional. So do you go to homes and businesses? Do you go to the schools or wherever the problem no. is? No. So actually, if a family uh, reaches out to Rosecrans and says, I don't know how to help my loved one, uh, they will be given my direct number, and I work with that family. They call you? They call me. Or I will call them if is I need to. Is this in a moment of crisis or is it later in the day? Um, sometimes it's a moment of crisis and other times it's just a family that is struggling, doesn't know where to go. Um, the parents don't feel that they have any um, options, don't know what to do. They've kind of lost control of their household and they need to speak to somebody. And What do they describe? What do they say is happening? Oh, well, it's a household that is being ruled by their their teen. Um, the teen is not listening to them. The teen is, you know, using uh, disregard to any rules, boundaries that are set. Do they know the teen's using or they suspect the teen? Most of the time when they've reached out to Rosecrans, they know that something is going on. Yeah. And saying, hey, we've got to stop, Mr. or Missy, doesn't get it done. It doesn't get it done. And they don't know where to go. They're lost. When they make that phone call to Rosecrans, they are lost and they're asking for help. They need to know what the next step is. How hard is it for them to pick up that phone? Very. <laughs> as, a, as a personal experience, yes, it is very hard to pick up that phone. So while you work with Rosecrans now, you were once upon a time a person on the other end of that phone yes, line? Yes, yes. Did you call Rosecrans or somebody else? Well, I didn't know who to call. So this was 15... Um, this was about 20, 25 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, so my family has been affected. My son started very young. He started in sixth grade um, and progressed um, to a heroin addict at the age of 17 years old. And um, we were lost. We were scared. We were walking on eggshells. We had no clue what to do. Tried multiple different things. How is your family now? Uh, we are. We uh, were able to achieve uh, 13, 11 years of recovery. Um, so treatment worked for my son, 11 years of recovery. Um, but addiction is addiction, and it does rear its ugly head back. Um, but we're doing good. Yeah. We're doing good. 
So then you, what, changed careers? I changed careers once my son said yes to treatment. Um, He was an 80-pound heroin addict, and my husband and I came united, and we um, basically became the parents, um, set our boundaries and consequences with our son, which we tried to do several times before that, but was started to work with some professionals and um, offered him the choice to get the help with our support 100% or... Um, what do they call it, that tough love, or we can't go down this path anymore. You said we set boundaries like you hadn't before or you didn't know how to set them. Well, exactly. A lot of times people assume that parents in a crisis or parents that have kids that are using or abusing, that they, well, why don't you just set these consequences, boundaries? It's so simple to do. It's not. You have um, something you don't know how to handle. Normally, you and your husband and, and the kids in the family, everything has changed. We become just as sick as the addict as parents because, first of all, we don't know what to do. And we didn't reach out to professionals. We felt scared, guilty, you know, the stigma, all of that. So we, came, we stayed stuck. So my passion um, when my son went into treatment was I wanted to put a face on addiction I wanted to say, it's okay. I also wanted to say, and this is why I work with the families, is you have the power as a parent. We will help you. Rosecrans has the whole continuum of care. We will work with you. I will give you the tools, the knowledge. What do you say? What does Rosecrans say about these are the rules, and if you break them, you're out? You can't come back in this house that's that and then you'll have to find your own way that's almost a, a a means of treatment for somebody it's like these are the consequences you have to live on your own and that's the way you're going to find that that's a bad life to live and then you'll come back to sobriety or to the family what do you make of that attitude well addiction is a disease of the brain that manifests itself in behaviors so you know what happens is that somebody's using to alleviate discomfort or pain, and then it becomes this cycle, right, that they have to continue to use. So, so when you say, that's it, you're not coming back in this house, you are out. We, we, we set the boundary, and if you cross the line, it's over. Right. So, um, so for m- many people with addiction, it's hard for them to see that their use is impacting their life. Right. So um, so setting those boundaries and consequences helps them experience some other kinds of discomfort. Right. To say, well, maybe my use really is impacting my life and I'm tired of my parents being on my case. And so, you know, they start to become more um, open. And part of it is, you know, um, acknowledging it's so hard to recognize or acknowledge in oneself that this is bigger than I am, that I've lost control, you know, because usually kids will say, you know, I'll I'll quit when I know I have a problem, and then I'll quit. Not until then, right? So, you know, part of it is really just helping them see that this is an issue, it's impacting their life, it's preventing them from reaching their goals and, you know, what they want to do in their life, and that's the importance of boundaries and consequences. But you're not saying kick them out. Uh, maybe at some point, you know, but I think that's the old way of thinking. Yeah. You know, the old way of thinking was tough love, kick them out, you know, separate. And now we know that there's, um, we can say, detachment with love, you know, is separating the disease 
the addiction from your child and the behaviors, you know, and um, for parents to really to become educated about, okay, this is a symptom of their illness. Right. So it's almost unreasonable to expect that they'll appreciate what you're putting before them when you say, listen, if if you don't stop using, if you don't stop drinking, then you're never coming in this house again. Maybe they're not equipped to really process that oh, well, in a meaningful we, way. But but that's not what I would say. <laughs> what would you say? Oh, no. So when I work with families, the goal is to start establishing those consequences and boundaries, just saying, you know, it is zero tolerance in the household. Let's work together. So it's all done out of love. It's not done out of shaming or blaming the kid or attacking. It's recognizing we have a problem and taking those steps to get the help, the health, safety, and future for that child. So don't leave it just up to the kid. Correct. I don't feel that a child at that age has that capability of making those big decisions. I think that's what I was alluding to a yeah. little bit. Maybe they're not capable of doing something like this without somebody helping them get through Correct. it. Correct. Correct. And with that support as the family system, especially when mom and dad are united and on page on on the same page, you know, the family becomes united and says, "Let's look at this as a family problem." And that's what you know, Rosecrans centers on the family. That's a very important component of Rosecrans because it affects everybody. It doesn't just affect the teen. Well, I'm thinking of the phenomenon of permissive parenting, which to me used to mean parents who they were the cool house and you could drink there. But maybe permissive parenting isn't that overt. They don't realize how permissive they're being. They're trying to help the kid, but maybe mm-hmm. they're not helping them in the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, that is, maybe they knew, do need to learn how to set boundaries right. and and be a little tougher. Right. Um, can you give me an example of what that would be? Because I only imagine the yes, no, the doors open, the doors closed. Maybe oh, there's steps along the way. Absolutely. So I think a lot of parents think, well, I used to do that. I used to drink and I dabbled. And you know what? Look at me. I'm okay. I got out of it. I'm okay. I say to parents, educate yourself because like marijuana today is not the same that it used to be. So before you make those decisions um, on being permissive with your child on drugs and alcohol of allowing them to use, make sure you have that knowledge. Because to me, no child should or teen should use drugs or alcohol. But, you know, I, that's how I feel. Stop. Stop. Sorry. Can I just stop for a second? Sure. Did that come out right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's against the law. <laughs> well, it's against the law. But I, you know, a zero tolerance to me takes away that gray area. So, you know, it's zero tolerance in our household. Very simply establishing that, that means that we don't want you to drink. We don't want you to try or sample any drugs. Does that mean that the family then has to stop drinking or using drugs? I, I, I mean, well, I, I think, the family shouldn't be there, but... Yeah, I think parents have to be a really good role model and, you know, not come home and have a glass of wine or a scotch and, and sit there and say, well, don't talk to dad until he's had his couple of drinks because he's had a really tough day. What are we showing our kids? That we need to have that substance to cope. Um, with it. So it's doing something different. It's coming home and saying, hey, Johnny, you've had a really tough day today. Let's go for a walk. Let's play basketball. Yeah. And I think what's been challenging about the pandemic is that everybody struggled through this. It's all been, you know, an adjustment and change. And so we've heard about wine o'clock, you know, where the day blurs between workday and, you know, home from work. And so parents might be drinking and, you know, using and coping with their life. And you know, they might become more permissive to say, well, Johnny, you've missed all these normal milestones and experiences of life. So here, have a drink, have a beer. You know, we recognize that it's been challenging, but it's really not the best 
obviously, as we've discussed, coping mechanism, you know, or uh, practice. Well, you do a presentation called Getting Past No, right? Yes. What's the no on that? What are we talking about? Well, no is, you know, no teen wants to go to treatment. It's, it's as Sandy said earlier, it's very rare, you know, because um, people don't recognize what is treatment. It's sort of this, you know, mystical thing about what is treatment. And treatment also means that there's change. And for the short term, for someone who's using, it's working, you know, it makes them feel better, it numbs out or, or whatever. So the no is to get past that, you know, child saying, I'm not going to treatment, you can't make me. That's probably what they all say. Most of them say. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, wouldn't it be nice if the kid said, yeah, uh, we got to do something about this? We expect that of the adult community, right? The adult population has to hit their own bottom or come to some realization. Maybe friends and family force them into it. But um, I would imagine most kids are very resistant. I, I don't know how you get them to engage when their attitude is arms folded in front of their chest saying, I don't want to be here. Well, we start with working with who is motivated, and the parents are motivated because they're experiencing the changes in their child. So that's who we start with. And that's Absolutely. when we'll say, reach out to Sandy, the Rosecrans interventionist. You know, she can help you Navigate. and guide yep. you through these conversations. Who are you talking to then? The, the child or the adults? No, normally the parents. And I love it when I get both parents. I will do a conference or a Zoom meeting with both parents. And we talk about the issues and we talk about the barriers to treatment, to them accepting to go to treatment. And we work through that and come to the point that the parents, you know, address the child in a little bit of a different way, in a loving way, and just say, you know, we're concerned about your health and your safety and your future. So the parents call and they talk to you without the child at first. Correct. And are they (laughs) on the same page? Do you find that one thinks it's more acute than the other? Yes. (laughs) So now we've got to figure out what we've even got here. Yes. Maybe that's part of the problem. I I don't want to assess, but maybe that's part of the problem. Can I be honest, John? That is... Probably about 80% of the time. So it's working with that family to get them both on the same page. Because if one parent is permissive and enabling and one parent isn't, it's, it's not. So we have to work with getting the family together. And that's what the Parent Cafe does. That's what I'm able to do with the family. Get them on the same page for what is best for their child. So when do you introduce this child to this conversation? Um, it depends. Sometimes I don't. I can work with the family and the parents are strong enough to do it without me being there as a third party. Interesting. Do they? Does the child know that, that Rosecrans is involved via you? Uh, most of the time, no. So maybe the mom and dad are just now putting up a more united front. United front, they're, they're, they're being a little bit stronger. They've got their boundaries. They're setting. And it's done out of love, love, though. It's not done out of anger and screaming. It's just sitting there saying, you know what, this is not okay. Is it better that you're not in the room, maybe? Not necessarily. I've done um, in person um, with adults and with children, and they either way. But I, I think it's great when a family can do it on their own because – it's not only about getting their child into treatment, it's also what happens after treatment. But, and that. Well, pardon me. No, go ahead. But getting their child into treatment, <clears throat> maybe this is the treatment, though. That is, the parents are having a mm-hmm. meaningful dialogue or relationship with the kid ab- about these issues. I mean, I, I'm, yep. what, what I want to s- see if this is what you're saying is that rosecrantz's interaction with the family would be through the parents through the adults and that the child isn't actually sitting down with the therapist per se 
the child or the teen might have their own therapist. The family might have tried, you know, therapy for their child, and and maybe they still need that additional support and help to get them into treatment. You know, part of treatment is helping motivate the teen. So I think there's this old belief that teens have to, you know, be happy to go to treatment or accept treatment or hit their bottom. And we really have rethought that. And treatment is really about motivating someone to change, you know. Um, The only way somebody can change is if they're a willing partner to that and willing to change, right? So so if – that's interesting. So, of course, they're not going to be – Real excited about this. No. That's why we're here. Mm -hmm. We don't have to wait for them to say, okay, now I'm ready. Exactly. Exactly. Because that might take many years of negative consequences, trouble with the law, you know, poor situations, you know, just negative consequences. And so we want to remediate that and connect them to treatment as soon as possible. Why live through that? Right. Yeah. So, 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 but boy, that sounds like a tough room, though, where the child is maybe resistant. It is. It's and a, it's how do you break through? And is it, does dialogue work? You know, you can break through. It's a proven system. Um, I'm certified, so I had to go through a lot of different education. Um, There's a proven way to do it, and it works. Um, It's, you know, just working through every single obstacle, and it's not threatening, and it's not kicking a child out. It's sitting there, and it's um, kind of a a two-way street with them. It's saying, we are asking you to go and get the help that you need so that you can be healthy. If they say no, there has to be it has to be uncomfortable for them mm-hmm. to say no, because if it isn't, what's going to make us change? Yeah. Even as, you know, humans, mm-hmm. it's not uncomfortable. So in a way, as a, per- a parent, you know, the parental authority, the parental figure is stepping in and saying, we love you, mm-hmm. we're concerned about you, and if it was anything else, they would have them in treatment in the doctor's office. But because of the stigma of the drugs and alcohol, we, for some reason, just don't think we need to rely on that. Oh, that's too bad, isn't it? I it's mean, so sad. There's no stigma attached to cancer. No. 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 And um, Dr. Wright, our, our medical officer, says, you know, we don't talk about diabetics as sugar um, addicts, you know. And if you put it in that perspective, you, you know, it re- removes some of that stigma and shame, you know, that it's just with help and support, people do get better. But this idea of getting past no starts with the parents. They're the mm-hmm. ones that have to make that first Correct. leap, right? Absolutely. Right. And I think what makes it so challenging is that parents love their children, you know, and sometimes it can be hard for parents to set those boundaries and consequences because parents think, you know, that by, you know, giving them things that that's love. And this is the opposite with addiction. They have to, you know, sort of toe that line and maybe remove things. And that's the opposite maybe of what you normally do as a parent. Yeah, no kidding. Do you think that post-pandemic has this dynamic changed? Um, Maybe not. Maybe these sorts of things are more acute, but the means of treating or addressing it are the same. How is it different after COVID-19, would you say? Treatment? Either the assessment or the treatment or 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 the kinds of issues that the family is dealing with. I think from what I have seen is more parents with, especially with um, 
older, the 18, 19-year-old, when they came back from college, did not realize that their kids were vaping or, or you know, using substances. Um, and I think that caught a lot of parents by surprise or even the extent of what their use was Right, they came home. Yeah, and I think teens are in their bedrooms on their screens doing virtual school, and so they can be using in their bedroom and parents are at work. And I've heard kids say, you know, that they'll just get high during the day when their parents are at work and nobody knows the difference. And maybe they were doing that on campus, Mm -hmm. but you didn't know that. Now they're at home. Right. I wonder if, is it, I wonder if any of that is, a sort of a logical part of a young person's development, that they do this and then they stop doing it, and they did it when they were in school or with their friends when it was a normal world, and they have, they, they sort of evolved out of it, right? For that some can. it didn't can. become a yeah. quote-unquote problem. Right, yeah. But some cannot, you know, and some it develops into problematic use. It develops into a, a use disorder, and so... You know, that's what's challenging as well is to reach out to professionals to understand what is the difference. Well, that's what I'm wondering. So not knowing if my child is doing something moderate and it won't profoundly affect them, or maybe my child is doing those things and it will develop profound problems for that child and that family. Is there any way to know at the get-go which way this is going to go for our family? Well, sometimes what I recommend is the next step is just to talk to their child about getting them to do the assessment. With Rosecrans. Just have your child. You don't have to be in the room. Let them have their their privacy with the assessor, a professional person that can assess, and let's go from there. So we're taking away that guesswork. Does he need this, 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 or this? Let's start with that. Let's start talking to a professional about what the next step is. Every single one of these podcasts have centered on, though, you got to talk to the kid. You have to be a little more candid, a little mm-hmm. more honest with yourself and maybe with that child and, and, and maybe get that from them. Is that true? Would you say that's true? Yeah, I think you have to, you know, talk to the kid and, and find out where they're at and, and, you know, be open to them. You know, don't put up barriers to them talking to you, but then also realize that as a parent, you have to take that next step if your gut is screaming, that there's, you know, repeated... Um, consequences, you know, not being followed through, or they're not listening, or they're getting into trouble. You've got to listen. You've got to listen to that. Because it gets worse. And you know, as a mom, I didn't listen to that. And I wish I had of. Um, And I think, you know, by doing that and listening and and listening to a professional and taking that next step. um, If you don't, I I truly believe it will only get worse. And treatment saved my son. And I know that for a fact. It did. And that's the last place he wanted to be. It was the last place. He refused to go. Think about um, that. But it oh. gave him the tools and the resources. And, you know, people have this negative connotation on treatment, and it's not. It's not. I, I asked him. I just want to share this really quick. I said to him, when you were in treatment, what was the, that, dis, that deciding moment? Because he was just going to go in, use, you know, come out and use. And he said, Mom, the first time I smiled without a drug or alcohol in my system. I knew that recovery could be possible for me. That's pretty awesome. And it can be. And can be possible for you, too. Sandy Leibert is a certified intervention professional. Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) And Mary Egan from Rosecrans, the director of outreach. I'm John Williams, and this is On Your Radar, Teens in Crisis.
With over 60 locations throughout Chicagoland, Northern and Central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa, help is just a click or call away. Click on rosecrans.org or call 866-330-8729 for more guidance and information. Rosecrans, life's waiting. 